Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Zigal Zarmi. Zigal is a board member at ADT and at HashiCorp. She's also a senior advisor at Morgan Stanley, where she served as managing director, international CIO, and global head of transformation. She also serves as a senior advisor and executive coach at Boston Consulting Group. She's a former chief information officer at PwC and a GE Capital as well. Sigal, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Nice being here. Thank you for inviting me. No, it's a great pleasure. Well, Sigal, as I mentioned, you are a very seasoned technology executive, having held senior tech and digital chief roles at uh, a variety of organizations of consequence. I mentioned uh, GE, PwC, uh, certainly, of course, Morgan Stanley. But for the past uh, year and change, you've taken on a variety of different roles, uh, senior advisor roles at a couple of organizations. You're on the board of a couple of others. Talk a bit about uh, your reflections now with a bit of distance on your time as a, as a chief information officer and maybe even a little bit of a look forward as to how you see your, your career from this point forward, this portfolio of activities uh, that you've taken on and, and the extent to which that might be the pathway forward for you. Yeah, um, I, I've made the transition uh, over COVID. I wanted to spend uh, more time with my family in Israel. I have um, aging parents who live there, and I wanted to be able to spend more time with them. So this transition uh, provided me more flexibility, which which I like. Looking back, uh, I would say the roles of the CIOs are very intense. There's a lot going on uh, with technology. If you think about with cyber, with the macroeconomics right now, with the geopolitical issues that we have. So there's a lot going on and those jobs are very intense. They are critical to the organization. So you have to make sure you have the right person leading um, technology in any organization. And um, the world is challenging and interesting at the same time. And being uh, a passionate uh, person about technology, which I've been for, for many, many years, I always thought it's the best time to be in technology. <laughs> and I keep telling my teams that for, for the last 30 years that it's the best time to be in technology. And it's still the best time to be in technology. I didn't want to just step completely away from that. So continuing to um, be involved as a senior advisor in both BCG and Morgan Stanley and serving on board um, of companies that value technology and do a lot with technology. And HashiCorp is a technology company. ADT is being driven by technology a lot. I feel like I can still be engaged. I can still be involved with technology, which is my passion. And at the same time, I have some flexibility for the personal stuff that uh, I need to get done. And in many ways, as you describe what you're doing, Sigal, I can only imagine, I mean, it's reflective of how much more strategic technology has become. When you were the chief information officer of G Capital, uh, for instance, that, that coincided with a period where there were almost no uh, people with the title chief information officer joining boards. And although it's still a relatively elite club that you have joined, thankfully, it's a club whose door is uh, cracked open a little bit further and more leaders are joining organizations with tech and digital uh, areas of responsibility like yours. So just as you say, the role becomes more interesting and, and, and being in technology and digital within large corporations becomes much more strategic as time goes on, reflective of the opportunities you've been able to pursue. I think it's really interesting as you share a bit about your own perspectives as each, each period uh, feels like a great time to be in technology and it only gets better, even if it does also become more complex 
uh, really, I, I, I feel like your own career path is emblematic of that growing strategic nature of the role. Is that, is that fair enough? Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. And you're right that more technology executives are joining boards and not just boards of technology companies, right? They're joining boards of uh, all kinds of companies. And, you know, uh, it has been stated in the past that, that every company is a technology company. And whether if you believe it or not, I do think that everyone will agree that how a company leveraged technology will impact its revenue, its growth, its profits, and more today than ever before after the pandemic. So when technology is driving so much of the business growth strategy, uh, if it is new products that are being developed or rolled out, if it's how you connect and engage with your customer base, if it's around automation and how you actually operate and your operating ratios, having a tech person on the board is very valuable. And that's before you even mention cyber and the threat environments and the SEC cyber disclosures. So really, you know, I think you'll see more technology executive joining boards. I think it's hard to do it when you are a CIO because a CIO is such a demanding job. Uh, you have to be strategic. You have to transform. You have to move the organization from all the legacy to, you know, the future of where technology is going. And at the same time, you have to keep the wheels on the track, right? You have to keep running. You have outages. You have um, systems to support. You have uh, regulatory and compliance requirements. So it's it's a really balance of a lot of different things. And no matter the size of the organization, it's complex. Very well said, indeed. I wanted to ask a bit about your pathway to board membership, uh, knowing that there are a lot of former peers of yours as chief information officers who would wish to follow in your footsteps. What were some of the difference makers along the way for you that uh, made this a possibility? Were there proactive steps that you took? Was it largely reactive initially? Um, did you enact sort of a, or, or make, a, make your ecosystem aware that this was an ambition of yours? Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, I, I never believe that things happen on their own. I'm not a reactive person. And if I have a vision and a goal, I, I go for it. I got interested in being on board when I was still with PwC. And many of the PwC partner friends, when they retired, they joined boards. And uh, PwC retirement age is 60. So, you know, you're still young and you still have a lot to contribute. While I was at PwC, I took some classes in what it means to be a board member in order to prepare myself. And what what is the expectations? What are the responsibility? How should a board member think about governance? How should they think about strategy? And it included also how to go about joining the board, how you should, like you said, enact your um, and, and alert your ecosystem, how you should network for it. And I started doing that when I was, was still with PwC. When I uh, joined Morgan Stanley, I kind of put it on the back burner uh, because, um, you know, the, the job was demanding. I was coming up the learning curve. I had a lot to learn and, and I, did, I didn't really think I can do that at the same time. But I continued to network. And I think the most important thing is really let people know that that's what you're interested in. And it doesn't happen overnight. You know, the, the 
right opportunity has to come because you can interview for many boards, but they might not be the right boards for you. Um, so it's important that you, I think, passionate about the product and what they sell, that you like the CEO and the management team, that you like your other fellow board members, that you understand their challenges and how you can contribute. You know what your value is and uh, why you would be a good fit for the board. And that takes time. And, and joining a board, interviewing for a board, is not like interviewing for a job because usually for a job, they want you there yesterday, right? They need, they need you. Uh, for a board, if you're one member down, the group still goes on. And most companies, they meet once a quarter. So it's not that critical to have, if somebody steps out or if you need someone, to have um, a person stepping in right away. Um, sometimes it can take six to eight months with the same company, talking to the same company. So it takes a long time. So I've over the last 18 months since I transitioned out, I've networked with many people. Every person I talk to, I ask them to introduce me to two other people in the network that I might be able to uh, network with. I, I think really expanding the network, it's all this is about, that it really is. That's very interesting. And talk a bit about, uh, generally speaking, at least your role as, a, as an advisor at these two distinguished organizations, one of which, of course, you were uh, a, a full-time uh, leader of in Morgan Stanley and another uh, among the most uh, prominent consultancies in BCG. Talk a bit about uh, you know, how, you're, how you're dividing your time among some of the responsibilities there and, and what draws you to, to that experience, what, what you are uh, uh, deriving from, from, from those experiences as well. Yeah, I, I think for me, the importance of being a senior advisor is to continue to keep my uh, tech skills relevant. Uh, so uh, with Morgan Stanley, I'm mainly uh, helping them with innovation. And with BCG clients, it's really a lot around digital transformation, AIML, and cloud migration. And that, that keeps me... Um, I think with my fingers in what's happening in technology, what challenges do other companies have, uh, what technology solutions might be a good fit for them. I like that because it's more strategic work versus hands-on work. And it goes well with the board uh, work that I'm doing. And do you foresee, you mentioned that you stepped away for personal reasons as well. Um, I, I wonder, do you, do you see this as kind of the pathway forward, this portfolio of activities? Uh, do, do you, could you see yourself pursuing a full-time job uh, in technology or some, somewhere else uh, as you have in the past? Um, I like the work uh, that I'm doing. Uh, like I said, it's, it's much more strategic. It's broader. Uh, than just running technology, because as a board member, you have to think about the growth strategy, the go-to-market, uh, acquisitions, dispositions. Um, I'm serving on the audit committee, so you think about debt refinancing and all, all kinds of different things that you usually don't come across when you're in the CIO role, so it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't manage people, and on, on one hand, I miss managing people. Um, on, on the other hand, there, there is less headaches with not managing people. I still do a lot of mentoring. Uh, if it's for startup CEOs, uh, old colleagues of mine, 
um, people in my network that um, I'm helping out with. I'm, I'm also doing an executive coaching certification. So I will be doing some more uh, formal coaching and not just mentoring. So um, I get that people interaction that way and trying to help people and give back. And I, I'm not sure, I, I don't want to say, never say, you know, you're never going to do anything, but for the time being, I'm, I'm really happy with what I'm doing and it's challenging enough and gives me the flexibility that I, that I like. That's fantastic. You know, I, I mentioned your background, you've worked for some legendary um, intellectual capital uh, sorts of organizations, GE, I'd love to track back actually to GE in a moment, but General Electric among the most prominent of talent factories, PwC, a leading consulting firm. Obviously, consulting is a very high brain power business, as is uh, banking and investment banking like Morgan Stanley. What what has drawn you to uh, these roles at um, sort of high power intellectual organizations like this? And to what extent did you see, uh, how did you see IT's role in being differentiating I can only imagine when you're surrounded by people who are themselves of such tremendous intellects, it requires that you kind of bring your best at all times. Talk about uh, about that experience. Three very different companies, but with that that sort of high brain power, high IQ as a common denominator across all three. You, you're so right, Peter. And, and I feel myself so lucky to work for such great companies that focus so much on people, but also strive to hire the best. And when you are you know, working with A players that are raising the bar every year, you have, you have to you know, really excel. You really have to excel. I think the pace of technological change and the impact of technology on the growth and success of the company was always an additional dimension of why you need to stay ahead of the curve and make sure that you can really contribute value and to successful outcome for the companies I work for. So, you know, continue to be on top of what's happening in uh, the market, in technology, in the products that the companies are providing, what, what do you need to do when you, when you think about uh, modernizing your infrastructure landscape? How do you do that in the most economic way? How do you upskill your talent? How do you hire the best? How do you retain them? That has been a big question over the last few years. How do you engage with, with your uh, teams and employees? And, and all of that um, is always something that you need to evaluate. And what I like about those three companies I work for, they always thought that they were never satisfied with where they are. They always thought about continuous improvement. Uh, at GE, if it was the Lean Six Sigma drive in, in the late 90s and early 2000s, it always challenged us to um, reevaluate and improve processes. Or if it was innovation at the later years I, I, I was there, that they were thinking about how you leverage technology. The, the same with PwC, some of the transformation, digital transformation that we embarked on while I was there was the most ambitious one and really turned upside down the whole company and how you leverage data to deliver audit and tax services. 
so there, there is there's a lot that I, I can say on each one each one of those companies, but each one of them really valued technology, and that was a, a big advantage for, for for me to work to work there. I do want to zero in on GE for a moment, if you don't mind. Um, a company that unfortunately is a bit of a shadow of itself uh, as of now, but one that a a succession of tremendous chief information officers came from, uh, you know, D- Dave Smoley, Chris Gates, uh, Scott Gilbert, Alan, Alan Bame, uh, Clay Johnson, Jude Schramm, uh, Chris Drumgool, uh, Kathy McGillicott. I think of the, you know, all of them, uh, CIO, Linda Jojo, CIOs, uh, at, at major Power, corporations. Mark Poulter, Monica Caldas, they're on and on and on. <laughs> exactly. It's just, I mean, I, it, especially for, you know, our generation, if you will, uh, uh, for folks that were born in, let's say, the 60s or 70s, it, it's been just a it, remarkable, the influence of this group and, and the extent to which it's now spread like seeds to influence so many other industries. Talk a bit about what you drew from that time. What was so special about GE from your perspective that, has led to not only in opportunities like the ones that you've pursued since, but for so many peers of yours. Yeah, I think GE was an amazing training ground. And, and the way they focus on people and training and leadership development is what created all this country of great leaders that, that you mentioned. You mentioned how smart and, and um, high EQ those, those, the people that worked at GE were. And, and you could learn so much from your bosses, from your peers, from your teams, um, in addition to all of the classes and courses that you attended. I got a world of education at GE in the you know, almost 18 years that I was there. Uh, how to build a high-performing team, how to lead and, and be a leader and not just manage teams, how important it is to set vision, mission, the values um, that you need in order to get teams motivated and engaged, how to negotiate, influence, how you set strategy. And, and the most important thing that I loved about GE, a lot of people uh, came to GE from really humble backgrounds. So you also learn how not to have an ego, be more relatable and be humble as a leader. I think that that's really important um, because that's what created such a great following for those leaders in all of the organizations that they continue to lead after GE. A great, great company, and I thoroughly enjoyed the time I was there. Well, so you mentioned uh, what a great education it was. I also want to highlight uh, your part of your formal education was at the Technion, uh, legendary technology uh, oh, I should say university, excuse me, but with a, a special bent on technology. I recently read that 792 companies have been founded by people uh, who are graduates of the Technion, 19 unicorns, uh, certainly a number of technology executives like yourself in a variety of different uh, organizations of influence. I, I wanted to just um, also ask you a bit about your reflections of the tech community in Israel. It's, it's an extraordinary place that, if anything, is getting even stronger uh, based upon, again, your alma mater, uh, the 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 milieu there, which is geared so well towards uh, the establishment of of startups. A- any reflections you have on the relationship between Israel and technology, and that's the the growing um, symbiosis between uh, between the two. I, I think um, the the military is is a, a great training ground for a lot of young people. You get hands on education 
in, in technology. And um, you have to be agile. You have to be very responsive. And the latitude that you get at a very young age to make decisions that are in some, sometimes it's life and death decisions. And sometimes it's a lot of creative freedom to build something that um, will be really impactful. So the environment that you are operating within is so uh, conducive and encouraging for entrepreneurship that that, that helps. That's number one. Number two, um, it's it's a small country. And when you see uh, your friends and your relatives or you hear about others that you went to school with, that he, they created a company that is now a unicorn. And not every company is a unicorn, but there are a lot of companies that, you know, are, are very successful even not being a unicorn. So they had, you know, exits before they uh, became a unicorn. And you hear about that, you know, you say, why, why not me? I'm as smart as this guy, right? I can do it. So why not me? And so it's kind of a snowball. It's one thing that that um, encouraging uh, the other. So you, you've seen them, in, you know, if, and if you're visiting Israel and, and you're meeting with those companies, you see so many CEOs that are serial entrepreneurs. They are on the third and fourth startup. They're people that they uh, served in the military with or they went to university with. They're all getting together to start their own company. They all have tons of ideas and, and they can do that because it's a very nurturing environment. There are a, a lot of scholarships and incubators. There are uh, stimulus from the government that help you start your own company. Um, there, there are angel investors that, that are helping you out and you don't need a lot of money to start. You just need a good idea and somebody that believes in you. And because it's so common ground, it's kind of um, contagious. So <laughs> that, that, that's why you see so many Israeli companies, especially in cyber. I, mean, I think that has been a very successful segment of, of the tech industry that has been very successful in Israel. And perhaps a, a connection point back again to military service and some of the importance from a security and thus cybersecurity perspective uh, as an area of emphasis there. Thank you for that overview. I really appreciate it. I, I wonder, as you look to the future, uh, Zigal, what, what are some of the things that have you most excited? Uh, are there trends that that particularly um, you know attract you right now or making their way onto your personal roadmap? I am excited about the potential of Web 3.0 and the opportunities of business to take advantage uh, with that technology. If it is for training and, and education, I was just, what did I read about uh, how you take flight simulation to, to Web to train pilots? All, all that training and development, I think that's, that's a, a, a sweet spot for uh, Web 3.0 beyond just gaming. Uh, so uh, shopping, you know, can be really interesting. So that, that's an area that I think, to me, uh, is going to develop over the next uh, few years. You know, when you have this um, economic situation that we have now, the a, a lot of riffraff, if you will, will just go away. But the stuff that is really going to last is going to stick with us and grow and drive. And, and I think the successful companies that are 
uh, rethinking their strategy, the cutting back costs, they're focusing on what's important. They're supposed to have all of those moonshots. They're really focusing on the core product and what's important. And the ones that have uh, a very successful winning product will thrive. And we've seen that uh, after the dot-com uh, bust, right? We've seen that, that you know, Amazon, for example, was one of the companies that, that succeeded. Uh, so I, I would say that would be one of them. I'm still very excited about cloud transformation. I think we haven't seen the end of that uh, transformation yet. And not only because not everybody's operating the cloud, but mainly because um, companies, I think, have an opportunity as they move to the cloud or while they're operating the cloud to really change the operating model for technology that the cloud enables. And I think many are not still uh, taking advantage of it. Um, you mentioned I sit on the board of HashiCorp, and HashiCorp is developed um, uh, a cloud operating automation system. And it amazed me at the opportunities that companies have to reimagine how they lead their technology processes as they migrate to the cloud, how um, efficient they can combine teams that are crossing between application development and infrastructure, between coders, networks, servers, um, security, all of those coming together and really work in a different way when you are leveraging the cloud um, services and automation. And I don't think that has been really came to fruition yet. I think there is still room there. Uh, and that will take another, I think, five to 10 years to see that going through the, you know, the organization. Yeah, interesting, Sikal. I appreciate you, you mentioning uh, some of those, those uh, areas that you, you're keeping mindful of and, and uh, su suggest additional potential progress there. I also wanted to, to ask you, and you've alluded to some of this already, um, but some of the difference makers in your own career, uh, you, we certainly talked about your background uh, as an Israeli and some of the advantages of uh, of time there. We've talked about, of course, your your time in, in GE and the 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 remarkable learning that was possible in an organization like that. We talked about uh, the fact that you worked for a number of high IQ organizations that no doubt pushed your own thinking uh, to reach further heights as a result of the the milieu you were a part of there. I wonder what what else comes to mind as you think about. Uh, the factors that made a difference on your rise to become a tech and digital executive. Um, anything else that, that you would you would underscore? I, I I think two things. One is I found my passion when I was you know really young. I, I uh, when I served in the military in Israel, I did not like the bureaucracy. And I started at the Technion actually in industrial engineering because my focus was how do you streamline processes? And when they um, opened a new track on information management engineering, I felt that with technology, you can really change processes and drive improvement in a much um, larger, more impactful way. So I, I, I switched to... Um, the information management degree that was uh, from the computer science department. And I always felt so excited about technology and finding your passion. I think that's that was, that was a big difference for me because every job you do, there are 
some day-to-day task or some politics that happened that kind of, you know, take the fun out of it. But if you really like the content, if you really like the um, impact of the work that you're doing, you know, you can overcome that. Um, you know, the, the, the bad days. <laughs> you know, so you have more good days than bad days, right? Uh, or, or more good moments than, than bad moments. Not not every meeting or every task is going to really charge you and engage you and, and bring you energy. But I always felt technology brought me a lot of energies. The best thing for me is just to meet startups and hear about their ideas. And I'm like, wow, I'm invigorating. Uh, so I'm, I was lucky that technology, you know, um, I found that as, as my passion. And the other thing I would say is... As I be, as I moved higher in the organization, I was much more thoughtful on what do I want to be remembered for? What's my legacy? What do I want to really drive? Because as a leader, there's so many things you can spend your time on, and so many things you you know that needs your attention. And there are not enough hours in the day to do that. So picking the one or two things that you want to make sure that in addition to all the other stuff the one or two constant things that you want to focus on, that you want to be involved in, that you want to make sure that you're driving. And to me, there was innovation. Obviously, because I love technology, but, it, you know, I, I could have been a CIO that just, you know, managed what needs to get done and, and drive transformation without really focusing on innovation as the key to unlock um the potential for for better outcomes for the company. So there was another very conscious decision that I've made about 12, 13 years ago. And I feel that that really propelled me for when I left GE, for my role at Morgan Stanley uh, and my role at PwC. I felt that that really helped me um, because I, I had so much knowledge on how would I drive digital transformation in a large, complex organization. Sigal, that's an, very interesting, uh, your thoughts about the difference makers for you. I, I wonder if you had advice to uh, a younger version of yourself or actual young people today who might be a couple decades away from reaching the heights that you that you have reached, uh, but who might wish to walk in your footsteps. Talk a bit about some of your, uh, your thoughts there. What would you advise them? I'll try to keep it simple. So <laughs> I'll go by... Uh, a, B, C, D. A for being accountable, meaning um, have a high say-do ratio. And if I can depend on you as a manager, right, I will give you more work. I will give you the critical task. I will give you the critical projects. I'll give you the opportunity to shine. So be accountable. B is uh, be bold. Redefine what's possible. Take risk. Innovate and challenge others. I, I took a risk of moving to Europe in 2021, two months before 9-11. And um, the project I was on got canceled right after 9-11. And I didn't have a job. And I had to look for another opportunity. But I've learned so much from that. And I would do it all over again, right? So be bold and take those risks. Um, C, say, be curious. Always learn new things. Uh, you can learn from others. You, if you listen well, you would learn a lot from what other people have to say. And just make sure you learn something new every day. 
that you know, I mentioned how much I love GE and, and the whole learning culture there was just wonderful. So be curious. And D is for delightful. Be kind, be gracious, be sincere, be delightful, and have a low ego. I think people really appreciate it. Great uh, words of wisdom, certainly. Thank you, Sigal. Well, I, I want to thank you so much for joining me today in conversation, sharing a bit of your insights from across a really remarkable career. Uh, tremendous stops along the way, uh, reflections on the expansion of, of the discipline and how exciting it is to be in technology today, but also the portfolio of interesting areas that you're focused on, whether advising uh, 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 important organizations, serving on their boards uh, as advisors as well. Uh, I really appreciate a, a stimulating conversation, Sigal. Thank you, Peter. Glad to be here.